Welcome to our Visualize Bible series, Interactive. We're going to start with a question tonight to get everybody in the mood of asking questions because we're going to hit a subject that's a little difficult, but we're going to get it together. The question is, what is the most meaningful part of worship for you? Jackie Smith writes, Dave and I had a way of sharing the Lord's Supper that made it not only meaningful in remembering the Lord's crucifixion, but also our commitment to each other according to God's word. Then one person who doesn't want their name recognized said, it's singing. Singing together brings me closer to my brothers and sisters, and some songs make me feel closer to God. Last night I asked a person what they felt meant meant the most of them when they worshiped. And they said, being with other Christians, it's hard when you're not with other Christians for long periods of time. So if you come with, with something that's meaningful for you, bring it in and Doug will answer it. Sunday morning, we started talking about the Passover and how it came about. If you weren't here, God speaks to Moses and says, we have one more plague that we're going to send on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, he'll let you go. When he does, he will drive you out completely. You tell the men and the women alike to ask their neighbors for things like silver and gold. And the Lord made the Egyptians disposed toward the people and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by the Pharaoh's officials and by people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go through Egypt. And every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of a slave girl who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. It's one of those things that we don't think of because we don't live in their kind of culture. But everything revolved around the firstborn son. If you were Pharaoh, this is the way you passed your power on. You passed him on to your firstborn son. And then he would pass him on to the, his firstborn son. In Israel, it was a little different. The firstborn son ran everything. He was the one who would get the lion's share of everything the father owned. So he would look at his father for advice, or how to handle a situation, or how to run the estate, but without him, the estate would falter. And now God says, I'm going to take the life of every firstborn in Egypt. But he came over with an idea to spare some of the sons. He decided 
what he would do is have a meal. The whole community of Israel on this day would take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If the household was too small for a whole lamb, they brought in the neighbors so that they all could eat one lamb. And they chose a male, one year old, without defect. And that sheep, they slaughtered. And when they slaughtered the sheep, they, they cut the vein in the neck and they saved the blood because God said to put it on the sides and tops of door frames in the houses where the lambs were eaten. And that same night they were to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. He was careful to tell them not to eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over fire, the head, the legs, the inner parts, and don't leave any to mourning. And if some's left to mourning, they had to burn it. And God says, I have some special attire for you to eat this meal. I want your cloak tucked into your belt. It was a common way of running. I want sandals on your feet. I want your staff in your hand. And when you sit down to eat this Passover meal, I want you to eat it in haste. Because on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. When they ate the meal, they ate it in haste. Because on the outside, they put the blood on the doorposts. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But what about those who didn't put the blood up? It would be the death of the firstborn. There was either a dead lamb or dead first son. And God wanted them to remember how far he had gone to help them to get out of Egypt. Then he gave instructions in 12 and 13 that they were to get rid of yeast Yeast wasn't to be part of it. And they were to enter the land and observe the ceremony that they had observed that night. The Passover service was to be to the Lord who passed over the houses of Israel because there was blood on the door. At midnight, it happened, the firstborn died, and from Pharaoh to prisoners in the dungeons to cattle. Most commentators that I read said even the, 
Egyptians who did what God asked were spared and the Israelites who didn't do it they died he then talks about how he's to celebrate this coming out and he gives intimate details that a guy would use to tell the story in the centuries coming. He would be known as a setter. The setter would be in charge of presenting the meal to those who were not there during that time. To keep it going, they had to know what God did to deliver them. When you think about it, they were enjoying freedom for the first time in 430 years. And I got wondering, do we feel that freedom that God gave us through Christ? Because you see, this blessing, this Passover meal, was very ceremonial. They had four cups of wine that would be used in this, this ceremony. The first time they would get up and they would bless the first cup and everybody would drink out of the first cup. And then they washed their hands in a special way so the water would drip off the end of their fingers. They took some bitter herbs and they dipped it in salt water and ate it. The bitterness was from the time in Egypt. The salt water was for the tears that they shed. A second cup of wine was poured. And then comes the part that I'm sure charmed the little ones. They got the littlest ones, the, the young sons, to be able to ask questions about what they are doing. And if the children knew, they got all excited about it. But then at the end of that, the presider asked them questions. Just to be sure they understood. For the first time, they sang. They sang a series of hymns from the Psalms 113 and 114. And they drink the second cup and they wash their hands. And they say blessings over the bread. The bread symbolizes the barren life they lived while they were in Egypt. They had nothing. And they would take the bread, they would dip it in bitter herbs, and how the Egyptians kept them from getting anywhere, and how hard it was. And then they would eat the Paschal lamb. After the supper or eating of the lamb, there'd be a third cup poured, and then they would sing the rest of the psalms in Psalms 115 and one Psalm 18. 
they would conclude with a, a drinking of the wine and singing or praying. Now the reason knowing this is because when Jesus comes over into Luke chapter 22, he decides to eat the Passover with them. And then he gives a reason why. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until the fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Wow. He takes the cup and he gives thanks and says, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again until the fruit of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. This wasn't the way you celebrated the Passover meal. These aren't the things you said. Everybody knew that from the beginning to the end, and yet there was a, a crossover. They retold the Passover story. You find that in Luke 22, 15, and 16. The first and second cup of wine, that's in Luke 22, 17. Breaking of bread, Luke twenty-two nineteen, The Passover meal in 22, 20. A third and fourth cup of wine in 22, 20. And then they sang according to Matthew 26. And they prayed in Luke twenty-two forty. He took bread. And he broke it. And they're so used to him saying, this is the barren, suffering lives that we had to live in Egypt. But he doesn't say that. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As I view that moment, I think they're looking at each other and wondering, what is he doing? This isn't the way you have the... He takes the cup and says, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. And then he says, one of you was going to betray me. The Son of Man will go as it's been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Now you see their confusion. They decide they want to know which one it is. But they don't know. The bread was supposed to be their afflictions under Egyptian rule. But that's not what he said. He said, break it, it's my body that I'm giving for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It would be hours before the Romans would 
use the flagellum to inflict the, the tearing of the skin and muscles. It was a hideous thing that they had brought up. It usually had a wooden handle and leather thongs, but inside the leather thongs were bits of bone and balls of metal. They made it so every time it came down, it tore skin and muscle away. They broke his body. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. No, that's to remind us of putting the blood, the lamb's blood, on top of the door. And I wonder if it's at this moment that they realize there's no lamb. There's no lamb to eat. Because the lamb is talking to them. Some people think that all this wine, they might have got things wrong. But the cups we're talking about aren't very big. But Jesus comes to shed his body, to pour out its blood so that we can be free. There are things said in the Bible, though, that, that are important. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Paul goes back to use some of the language from the Passover to say, the Passover lamb now, is Jesus. When Paul's talking to the Corinthians, remember how they said nobody's to be left out? If there's a neighbor who doesn't have enough people, you bring him into your house. Well, he says almost the same thing about the Lord's Supper. This is a unifying thing. We are here together because Christ gave his body. Christ gave his blood. That's what makes us church. Knowing that, when we come together with the Lord's Supper, this is the time to get closer. This is the time that we consider each other, and we don't do it just for us. We do it because he died for everyone. And when we can take the Lord's Supper together, we know that that suffering of giving his body and his blood isn't in vain. We are free because Christ became a living Passover meal. You see how important it is? God set that back, way back in Exodus, and he brought it forward every year, teaching and showing, because one day he was going to send his son. And they would know he was the Passover lamb.
he willingly died, giving his body and blood. Well, time has gone fast. There's still some things I'd like to say, but we'll stop there for tonight. If you're looking for a church where the people really love each other, I hope you consider us here at North Brevard Church of Christ. We're one big family. Thanks for tuning in tonight.